Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. So good morning again and welcome to Come and See, Come and See Studios. My name is John Keeley. Uh, thank you again for joining me this morning. This morning I decided to go out and travel around a little bit to find out how other people are living their faith and serving God as best they can. Uh, here this morning I am joined uh, at the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign High Priest Sacred Heart Church here in O'Connell Avenue in Limerick by two lovely people who just showed me around the church and we'll chat a bit more about them. First of all, the prior of this church, um, Canon Lubbock, have I pronounced that correctly? You did very well, Canon Lubbock. Lubbock. Thank you very much indeed and welcome indeed to the programme. Thank you indeed for joining us. And also, Canon Cockershaw. That's correct, Cockershaw. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you indeed for joining us this morning. Two, two people here who are working, um, as I said, at the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign High Priest Church here in Limerick. Uh, just before we start, gentlemen, um, obviously, Canon Lebec, you're not Irish. I'm not Irish. A little I was bit born in back. France. I grew up in France and also in a few um, other different countries, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I received my priestly formation in the Institute of Christ the King in Italy, near Florence, where the mother house of our community is. Okay and have been living here in Ireland since um, 2010, so it's been five years now. You're welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. A little bit about yourself, Canon Kagusho, please. Well, I'm American, mm-hmm. and I'm from Illinois originally, from a very small town of about 1,200 people in the middle of the cornfields of Illinois. Lovely, sounds great. So I have a bachelor's degree in architectural studies from the University of Illinois mm-hmm. at Urbana-Champaign, and as canon, I did my priestly formation after my college degree, obviously, um, at our seminary near Florence, Italy. And I've been ordained priest for just around two years now. Mm-hmm. And I've been in Limerick. This is my third year. So you're both welcome. And thank you indeed for joining us this morning. So it's a little bit maybe about the Institute of Christ the King. Maybe start off yourself, Canon kind of Lebec. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who are Christ the King and when he was founded and his history? The Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest is a small community and was um, was founded in um, uh, 1990 by the, the, the founder is Monsignor Gilles Vac. He's French and um, okay. he was um, originally from Troyes in in France, but he received his priestly formation um, on the very Roman spirits in the, the Archdiocese of Genoa in Italy under the direction of um, Cardinal Siri. So he studied there and was ordained a priest by um, Pope John Paul in the, at uh, St. Peter Basilica. And then he stayed in Rome during a good number of years. And while um, serving and working in Rome, he was approached by um, a good number of, of uh, people, young vocations, who um, 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 really wanted to, to know more about this Roman spirit, know mm-hmm. more about the divine worship, what prayer is, what... Um, priestly formation is, especially with the, the Latin Mass and the beauty of the liturgy mm-hmm. that was um, um, especially taught um, with the Cardinal Siri. And at the same time, uh, something important is to be faithful and very obedient to the Holy Father, to the Holy See. So this uh, spirit of uh, serving the Church and being uh, obedient to the Holy Father, these are more or less the, the two important pillars mm-hmm. um, in which the um, the institute was uh, then founded because uh, more and more people were approaching um, then the, the young father Vac, 
and he has been asked by some cardinals to um, take care of these vocations. So um, it's how in um, 1990 we opened um, our seminary, the mother house of our community, in the Archdiocese of Florence, where we were re- um, uh, received by His Eminence uh, Cardinal Piovanelli, Silvano Piovanelli there, who was, so, was, was very happy to receive us in the Archdiocese, where the seminarians are, 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 are trained to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Do you think that people were sort of looking for something different so at that particular stage, you know, that they didn't find something where they were within the church? Um, I would say mostly for, for um, these people, they were especially attracted by two things, is the, um, the liturgy, the okay. um, Latin liturgy, and this Roman spirit uh, in, a, in, a, in a community life. And um, some of these aspects could be found in uh, different communities or different dioceses, but especially this spirit of family, spirit of um, community life, this is really how people who are attracted, or people who are attracted to, to this uh, special, specific vocation, found this because it's, when it, it's really one of our charisms in our community. So obviously uh, this is 1990, about 25 years ago, it grew. It grew, yes. Um, to where it is now today. So it serves in a number of areas within the world? Yes. I um, would say when, when we opened the seminary in um, 1990, there were just a few seminarians. And mm-hmm. we were uh, just training, just giving information to the seminarians there. And uh, I was um, among the, not the very first one, but um, I just joined a few, few years later. So mm-hmm. still um, um, in the, among the first generation. So now, uh, nowadays, the, the institute is, um, we now have um, 86 priests mm-hmm. that have been ordained, um, quite young, I would say. Most of them are younger than me. I'm 41, but the average age is, uh, I think, 36 or wow, 37. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are very blessed with vocations, thank God. So um, 86 priests. Um, we currently have almost 90 seminarians studying uh, either at the seminary or helping priests in the apostolates. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have uh, 35 sisters, which are the, the female branch of uh, the Institute of Christ the King, and 15 oblates. The oblates would be, for us, like brothers for our religious orders. Okay. So that makes a total of uh, more or less 220 members. Starting off this particular process uh, would have involved... Um uh, requiring, uh, obviously, from or, or have or been able to work officially as far as the church is concerned within the diocese. So they would have had to get permission of an archbishop or. Oh yes, of course. Okay. You see, our specific charism is really to to serve the church, to love the church. Mm-hmm. So um, no vocation could be be could be realized mm-hmm. um, according to our own, own vocation without um, without thinking about that. We are priests, not for us, not for even our own community, but for God, for the church, and at the service of the diocese, and at the service of the souls living in the diocese. So at um, uh, every location where the institute has an apostolate, it's always um, in um, um, agreement with the local bishop who invites a community for a specific mission, a specific um, apostolate. It could be a school, it could be a parish, it could be as a chaplains. As in, in, in the hospital, it could be just to preach the retreats, 
so um, it could also be in our missions in Africa, for instance. So we have this uh, range of uh, this range. Can in Congressional, what, what, what I and a lot of people are always interested in when we listen to people speaking to us on the radio is vocations and how people came about to realise that they might have a vocation to, to priesthood. Could you tell us your story, a little bit about your story, please? Okay. Well, I'll try to put it as succinctly mm. as possible. Mm. The very first time in my life where I felt called the priesthood was when I was in high school. Okay. And... Um, it was after reading um, St. Paul. Mm. I can't think of the exact, exact passage, mm-hmm. but it said, I can't think of it off the top of Mm-mm-mm. my head, but leaving everything yeah. to follow Christ. And that said something to me. Mm. But anyway, I ignored it mm. because as I'm an American, I wanted to be rich and have a good job and all the good things that Americans want. That's what I wanted. Is that wrong with that sometimes? <laughs> so... So I, I pushed it away. And, yeah. But my mother, especially, and my parents both made it a possibility. They said, you, may, you don't know. You may be called to become a priest. Mm. But they never pushed too hard, I would say. They, mm. just, they made it an option. Mm. But anyway, I pushed that to the back burner. I went to college to study architecture because I've always been impressed with the architecture of medieval cathedrals in particular. Okay. And it was while I was at the University of Illinois that I met Monsignor Stuart Swetland, who became my spiritual director, and it was only at the end of my formation where he gently guided me in the way, in the direction towards the priesthood. In my final year of school, I thought, if I don't make an effort to discern my vocation, I'll regret it forever. Mm-hmm. So they had a particular uh, discernment group there. It was called Samuel Samuel Group or something like that. I can't okay. remember. Mm-hmm. And so it was a group. Of, there were ladies and gentlemen. They were all at the university um, to speak about their vocation, not just a religious vocation in particular, but mm-hmm. whether it be to marriage or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that, or mm-hmm. even just the celibate lay life for some okay. people. But anyway, it was then that I decided that I should go to the seminary. So... That, like I said, it took a long time and a lot of, a lot of gentle pushing by my spiritual director to finally get me to go. And um, but anyway, I had discerned with uh, some dioceses in the United States, but it, it didn't feel right. That's not where the Lord was calling me. Mm-hmm. And my mother was watching EWTN one evening, and she saw Monsignor Schmitz, mm-hmm. who's the vicar general at the Institute of Christ the King, giving an interview. Well having Mm. an interview. I forget Mm. which program it was. I saw the very end. I was interested, but I didn't want to move to Italy, and I didn't want to learn French, so I put that on the back burner. (laughs) But Mm. in the Institute, just to be honest, it was my last choice. And, But as I discerned, I realized this was more where I was called. This is where the Lord was opening up doors for me. Mm -hmm. And so I... I met with Monsignor Schmitz, and I felt immediately at home, okay? Good. But it wasn't, it wasn't just poof. Every didn't, everything didn't fall into place all at once. It took place over several months. Mm-hmm. And as I told my, uh, my superior when I was in the United States before coming to the seminary, I said, I found in the Institute the Catholicism that I was always looking for but never knew existed. Okay. And so that's, that's nice. kind of yeah. as briefly as I can mm-hmm. how I mm-hmm. got here. Mm-hmm. What sort of reaction did you get from your, from, your, from your family or from your friends when you said, I'm 
thinking about following a vocation to priesthood. My parents were not at all surprised and completely supportive. There was no resistance or anything like that. Mm. Like I said, most of the resistance came from my own person, mm. not, from, not from them. Because like I said, they always made it a possibility. Mm. And so I didn't feel like a shame or no, yeah. scared of telling Mm-mm. them. Because that sort of thing can't exist. So. But the Holy Spirit was at work at all the time, and even through EWTN and all those, uh, all that wonderful program that comes on there from time to time. And I love one of the things you said there. You said, well, you know, this was my last choice, but you know what they say? They say the best wine to last. But as I've just heard your story, can I look back? Would you mind sharing a little bit about your vocation story with us, please? A vocation? Hmm? Um, things are, um, I would say, first of all, in, in each vocation, I always think that um, it's always a great mystery that you cannot really fully um, explain by Mm. specific Mm. words, specific moments in our life Mm. when uh, um, our Lord spoke to us or uh, called us at a very, very specific moment. Not all of of us are like St. Paul, who was just to, to whom our Lord just appeared, yep. and everything could never have been clearer. Same place. Yeah. So um, we know we, we discern more God's will through secondary um, His um, 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 other actions or secondary events that, that um, really happen in in our life, and always at the light of um, prayer and advice and spiritual um, ad, um, um, the spiritual director or the confessor. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would say it's mostly uh, when I was uh, maybe slightly older than Canon, uh, when I was uh, 15, 16 years old, I was very interested by music, especially um, mostly the organ. Mm-hmm. And um, this always attracted me a lot, together with the beauty and uh, Gregorian chant. I always had a great love for, mm-hmm. for music and chant. I grew up uh, not, not very far from the Solemn Monastery, in France, when uh, where, um, I was uh, in the boarding school, mm-hmm. and one day I remember uh, um, I was really looking for where where this um, liturgy was offered on daily basis, and this beauty was uh, offered to God, and I really felt uh, I really had a very, very clear and um, strong attraction for divine liturgy uh, uh, through music. Um, even though um, I'm not uh, Mozart or yeah, yeah. Bach, mm-hmm. I just had this um, mm. this clear attraction. And one day, so I was thinking, um, I remember one day I was uh, visiting the, the monastery, the Benedictine monastery in Fongombo, mm-hmm. uh, where I, I just saw this, this beautiful liturgy with um, the solemn liturgy, deacon, subdeacon, the incense, the organ, and I thought this is the life that I would like to to live and um, give to God, uh, the things really became clearer. And then I remember very well when I left on, on the morning, I had finished my this just a few days in the retreat, and um, I saw like a, a contrast when I saw all the priests, one by one, offering their private masses on the morning, mm. all um, at the same time, but at different altars. Yes. And see, you, you could, could really see the, the contrast with, the, with the, the same liturgy, but with this um, private um, reverence, sacredness, mostly in science, and I was very touched by, by that. And then since this day, I remember still very well, I've, as um, it was, if it, um, it was yesterday, uh, I knelt down in my, my heart and told, told yes. the Lord, if you want me to mm. follow and, and, and be one of your instruments of mercy and of uh, of, of, um, of grace, here I am. 
And he said, okay. Is it okay? No, but then the Lord said, okay. Oh, it seems, it seems, yes. <laughs> no, it's, it's more than it seems. Yeah, it's, yes, uh, of course. It's, it's clear, thank God. And so how many years ago, so how many years are you ordained? I've been ordained, uh, it's 13 years ago now. Okay. So I was ordained in 2003 in our, in our seminary in, in Italy, um, in uh, the Archdiocese of Florence. And after my ordination, I stayed uh, another seven years at the seminary as a choir master. I was also in charge of the first year seminarians to help them in their um, the discernment of, of their vocation and uh, with other things um, in the seminary. Mm. Going back to the seminarians again, um, Canon Kokoshaw, um, if somebody is, is discerning that, that, that they wish to maybe follow and an enter seminary, what are the various steps once they enter seminary from the to please God priesthood? So they enter the seminary, it's about six or seven years or something like that. Maybe you can go through the various steps for us, please. Okay. Again, I'll, I'll be general because mm, there's, please, yeah. as we spoke of earlier, there's mm. no, everyone's path to priesthood is individual in a certain way, but mm. there is a general uh, formula for everyone. Um, first of all, if you have a vocation, you have a spiritual director who helps lead you in that way. Mm. And, you know, you discern which community you feel most called to. And with the Institute, uh, you would contact uh, the superiors and they would agree with when you would enter, we usually accept seminarians in the mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the case of Americans anyway, but not just the Americans, you're accepted for a year in the United States at one of our apostolates. Mm-hmm. So you can understand the general spirit of the Institute, you know, the reverence for the liturgy um, and that sort of thing. And you stay for a year at one of those apostolates. And afterwards, you would go to the seminary, mm-hmm. where, again, you would enter into the fall for the year of spirituality, we call it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's kind of an extension of that, that sort of, that idea where you're just getting immersed okay. in the generalities of the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Again, the liturgy, um, lear- learning a rhythm of life as well. You know, the rhythm of prayer, of work, and of study. Mm-hmm. And then also your... Uh, given a general overview of priestly studies. You have some courses that are more philosophical, others that are somewhat theological. Mm-hmm. Again, just to introduce you to the overall priesthood to help you discern further, mm. because you're discerning the entire time All that you're time. in the sem- seminary mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and then at the end of the year there, if you feel that this is where you're being called, mm-hmm. well, you continue and you receive the cassock. Okay, because our uh, community has uh, adopted the Roman cassock as our uh, official garb, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And everybody dresses the same to show the familial spirit mm-hmm. and um, also to show that this person is set aside for God mm-hmm. as well. It's a, it's a physical manifestation mm-hmm. of you know the type of life that we're discerning, that we're choosing to lead. So anyway, that happens. And it's a very important uh, step at the end of the first year, our superiors, uh, particularly the prior general, uh, insists on this ceremony very much where the, there's a ceremony where all the first years come in in lay clothing. Mm-hmm. They leave and they come back all dressed in their mm-hmm. cassocks as clerics. It's mm-hmm. a very moving ceremony because say. it's a very big step. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's at the end of the first year. Second year, you begin two years of philosophy studies where you study uh, 
Well, philosophy courses, mm-hmm. Latin. There's an option to learn Greek as well. There's a, mm-hmm. a Greek courses. Um, what else? And there's courses on spirituality and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And then the spirituals give, uh, or excuse me, the superiors give spiritual lectures on a regular basis um, uh, to help with the formation. Mm-hmm. At the end of the first year, you're, or the this would be first year philosophy, you're ordained. Porter Elector, then the following year, Acolyte, mm-hmm. and then you enter your theology studies at that point, which lasts for four years, and then at that point you're studying mostly theology courses. And again, at the end of every year, normally speaking, you receive another order. Okay. So Acolyte, Subdeacon, Deacon, and then finally Priest. But as you say, all the way through, every step of that way, you're discerning. Right. It's... We discern before we enter the mm-hmm. seminary, mm-hmm. but until until the yes. the bishop puts his hands mm-hmm. over your head and ordains you as a deacon, I don't want to say there's a way out, but you're discerning all the way up yes. to that point. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's part of it. One of the things that comes through kind of in the back um, to us is your... Your, your, your real appreciation of the liturgy and wanting to celebrate that liturgy and one of the and of course the main way you sort of celebrate that is as we call it the traditional Latin mass for those people who wouldn't have a clue what we're speaking about would you would you as best you can give us an idea of what that involves please that involves um, as you said and um, um, according to the, the title Latin mm-hmm. but not only <laughs> so the Latin mass um, I would first describe it as the, the liturgy of the church, a treasure of the church which is um, offered to God and made um, available for people. So it's um, one of the two forms that, um, which is offered to the, the faithful in the Latin church. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the, first, the, the most important thing is to have this spirit of unity in the church. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, spirit of, of unity in the Latin church, um, people can attend either the um, um, ordinary mm-hmm. or the extraordinary mm-hmm. form of the Latin Mass. So in this uh, Latin Mass, the, the, um, um, Latin is um, um, the sacred language which, which, in, which is used. And something very important that uh, many people already notice is that this, uh, this reverence and sacredness um, something very, very obvious and, um, and is that when the priest offers the Latin Mass, he, in a certain sense, he doesn't, uh, it's not um, his own ceremony. It's mm-hmm. not, not his own prayer, mm-hmm. his own devotion. We really try to, in a certain sense, to renounce to all we are and to be an instrument. Mm-hmm. In the entire Latin Mass, everything is uh, prescribed, is uh, indicated by rubrics. So we don't really have to to choose or to create, mm-hmm. but just to, to serve. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really important. We disappear so that Christ is, um, uh, uses us more and more, so that we, we act, um, we, we let Christ act in our person. Christ acts in persona Christi. Mm-hmm. It's what, what, we, what we know in, in the, the theology mm-hmm. is um, 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 acted and uh, visible in the liturgy. So the the most important thing is, is certainly this, um, this fact that we um, offer to God this, um, we renew the holy sacrifice of the Mass on an unbloody manner, which is the definition of uh, 
Olemas, mm-hmm. um, upon the altar, um, in the spirit of um, service, and, and when, when the priest acts in persona Christi. Mm-hmm. And this involves a lot of um, reverence, a lot of sacredness, which is expressed by the um, piety, the, um, by the beautiful vestments with the different colors, with the music, the incense, the Gregorian chant, and all ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And not alone that, but you also have benediction here? Yes, of course. So for um, um, uh, Holy Mass is the sacrament, mm-hmm. and we also have here, uh, either with the community, and we, and we are also joined by a good number of, of people and friends and um, people who visit the church, people come to devotions. And um, so every every evening, for instance, at um, 6 p.m., uh, we um, have the, the Holy Hour and with the um, benediction. So for, for benediction, we always, always sing um, a hymn to our Lord present in the Holy Eucharist um, in, um, in Latin. And then we have, long, we have um, 35 minutes um, adoration silently. And at the end, we have benediction, properly speaking, which is um, uh, preceded by a prayer to Our Lady, the Ave Maria, then a prayer for the Holy Father, and then the singing of the Tantum Ergo, followed by benediction. So if somebody wanted to visit the church to witness any of the masses and uh, services, can you give me an idea when, you know, when they could? I mean, they have mass here on a Sunday, I believe, anyway. Yes, of course. Um, Holy Mass is offered here at the Sacred Heart Church in Nimerick at the, um, the Crescent, which is the former Jesuit church, mm-hmm. um, every day. So Sunday, is a, it's a sung mass with a Gregorian chant and incense and, and organ. Uh, at half past 10 a.m., mm-hmm. then Monday to Thursday, it's uh, 7 p.m. It's a low mass, 7 p.m. on the evening. A low mass being it's not song. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not, not song, so it's, um, um, all the prayers are recited, and mm-hmm. the, this, this low mass is, is only served by um, a seminarian who is mm-hmm. a student priest. And Saturday morning is uh, half past 8 a.m., um, uh, on the morning. Okay, and then it's the spiritual direction available to and confessions. Yeah, we are. Um, the priests are also available for confessions uh, every day at twelve, uh, twelve to twelve forty-five. Um, if people uh, show up or just ring the doorbell, we always try to be available as well, and mostly for um, uh, confession and uh, if we organize something, um, also for spiritual direction or, or just to talk or advice. Mm-hmm. Just uh, once again, here our, our limerick in our um, community life and in this, this life of prayer, we really try to offer everything to God and at the same time to um, make this, this church um, available to, to people. So um, um, everybody must feel that they are welcome and uh, free to come. It's, it's open to everybody, of course. <laughs> so I, I've, I've been here, um, this about, I think I was here about two years ago. Yes. There's certainly been some great advances made in the church in terms of, I noticed that there's, there's a new altar there. Yes, yes. There's a pulpit available. Yes. Um, I think, um, I don't know if it's really necessary to remember the story of, of the church, but mm. it's something very providential. We must remember that the, the church was built um, by, by the Jesuit order mm. and was started in uh, 1865-67 and is the first church of Ireland consecrated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. 
okay. which is something that we cannot really neglect or forget. No. For me, it's, it's really something huge and that should be more known. We, well, we, it's, it's a very special church here in Limerick. And this church, unfortunately, was um, sold and, and closed um, when, when the Jesuits left uh, Limerick in 2006. Mm. And as uh, you may know, this church was supposed to be turned into a leisure center, mm. swimming pool, jacuzzi, restaurants, mm. or, or mm. other things. And th finally, this project uh, collapsed. The church was closed. Um, no heating, win um, broken windows, um, dry rots, no gutters, many, many, so, and then was, was closed during uh, almost seven years and was very, 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 very damaged. So um, thanks to a lot of prayer, a lot of um, help from local people and also from mm -hmm. abroad, yeah. our young community who was already serving the, the diocese here, we could find a mortgage and purchase the church. And, and rescue the church, save the church, in order to keep it um, as, a, as a church, as a the church, Catholic yeah. church. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when you arrived, and you just mentioned it, mm -hmm. it was um, very, very different. Mm -hmm. the, the state was very the, the shape was very different. Mm -hmm. Since your um, latest visit, um, we have already restored the, the heating in the church. Um, as you just mentioned, there's a new altar, which is... Um, beautiful wooden altar that match the, mm. the marble one. Um, we have already re reinstalled the, the statues of the cross. Two years ago, we have installed some um, statues of uh, adoring angels and the pulpit. Mm -hmm. And we were just speaking about that um, earlier. It's the story about the angels is that they came from another church yes, that closed down. Yeah, yeah, everything is very providential. Isn't it? In 2006, um, the, the Jesuit church and the Franciscan church closed here in Limerick. And thank God um, our church now is uh, being reopened for God and for the public. But the other church is not yet. Mm. So um, we don't really know about the future of this uh, sacred building. What we know is, uh, thank God, we could uh, ask and we, were, uh, we, we could then uh, rescue some statues of this church, the Franciscan church mm -hmm. in Limerick, um, and the pulpit, the marble pulpit. So two years ago, we um, just transferred those beautiful liturgical items. Beautiful. They were taken in parts. This was, um, they were given, but then the, the work was very expensive and we... we we had to had to pay for that. I can tell you, sometimes people think that we were given things, yes, but then <laughs> we, we also had to, to, to pay and to find some uh, yes. money to that. Mm -hmm. But then the, the thing is that those, those, those beautiful angels and pulpits are now um, used here for divine worship mm -hmm. and in the same city. And both churches were made by, were, were designed by the same architect. So it's very providential. That's why mm. when one comes to the church here today, they even don't really think that this is new. There's mm. a new pulpit. There are two new statues that just, oh. it seems that they have been here forever. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful. Returning back again to Kanekakushal and the community that's mentioned a few times, tell us a little bit about the community life here. I mean, how many, how many people are here and how do you spend your day and your week? Okay. Well, we are four mm -hmm. here right now. There are two priests, Canon Leboque and myself. And then we have uh, 
two other members of the community, one of which is a seminarian who's here helping us out for the year. Then another is a young man who's discerning his vocation, but also is profiting from the occasion to learn English as well. Mm -hmm. So um, our daily program, if you will, it starts in the morning at 7.15, and that's where we have... uh, we have a meditation for a half an hour in mm-hmm. silence, and then that's followed by the Office of Lauds, which is uh, chanted as well. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we have breakfast in community because that's part of our communal life. Mm-hmm. Everything's done in community. And then the mornings are generally spent on paperwork or studies as far as the seminarian goes, but even the priests are uh, encouraged to continue their studies because we're never too old Mm -hmm. to learn more about God. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what we spend our mornings doing. And then at the middle of the day, we have, well, there's, there's confessions at noon, so one of us will go out to hear confessions. And then at 1245, there is the office of sext, which is like midday prayer. Okay. People may know what is that. So that's sung. And then we take a bit of lunch afterwards if we want. And then um, the afternoon is more work usually because we have a home here. Um, somebody has to do the cooking. Somebody mm-hmm. has to do the cleaning. Somebody, mm-hmm. And then there's a whole, like Canon said, there's a whole church to restore here, a whole house to restore, and a whole property. Mm-hmm. So that all has to be done. So that takes up most of the afternoon. Um, and, of course, there's always uh, unforeseen things that happen. We mm-hmm. can have spiritual direction or meetings with people. It's just, it varies quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, we sing uh, Vespers, so evening prayer at, uh, what is it, 5.15, and then we have adoration at 6, and then we have Mass at 7 p.m., and then we have dinner and community at 8 p.m., generally speaking, and then that's that's the end of mm-hmm. our day, more or less. There are mm-hmm. some variations throughout the week, but that, generally speaking, is what we do. This is how the church can be open from uh, half past 9 a.m. to almost 8 p.m., more or less every day. Yeah, every day, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Except on Wednesday afternoon and Friday morning. Okay. But, so otherwise we really try to keep, keep the church open here every day. This community day that you've just explained to, to us, uh, is that roughly the same in any community within the Institute? Roughly? I would say roughly, yes, because mm-hmm. the ideal for the Institute of Christ the King, the... The benchmark is set, if you mm-hmm. will, at the seminary. Yep. That's the ideal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But of course, the seminary, there's 80-some people living there, so you can have, it's almost like a monastery. Well, here we have a very little monastery, so we can't do everything, but mm-hmm. more or less it's the same. same thing. Even the fact to have lauds, sext, mm-hmm. and vespers, and an hour of adoration, that's very, uh, that's what's encouraged by the superiors. So that, again, the liturgy takes pride of pl- pride of place in our lives. So that's the first thing we usually try and set. And then everything else mm. is around the liturgy. And Canon Kankasol, um, what part of your duties here are to act as a delegate for the Synod. Can you tell me what your experience so far of this Synod in Limerick is for yourself, the Synod 2016? Well, as we spoke of earlier, I, it's not, I like it because at being an American, mm. I do not know the Irish people so well. 
And the Synod is a wonderful way for me to get to know the people of the Diocese mm-hmm. of Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're coming from, where they've been, what their hopes are for the future of the church in Ireland. It's, what do I want to say? And it's something the Synod was prepared by somebody else, so they did all the work. And then, what do I want to say? Say, mm-hmm. we benefit from all their work to get all these people together so we can hear, like I said, what their, uh, what their thoughts are on the church here in Ireland. Your hopes for the Synod? Your own hopes? My hope for the Synod is that it will make everybody in the diocese holier. Beautiful. That's what, and, on, and I don't mean that as some uh, uh, yeah. pious statement. No. That's what we're called to become holy. Yes. That's the end That's you know, of all our works. Beautiful. Beck, you mentioned to me early on you've got another um, addition coming to your community shortly. Um, you've got some sisters coming, I believe. Yes, thank God. Mm, tell <laughs> us a little bit about that. A little bit. In the Institute of Christ the King, we have uh, um, a female branch. Mm-hmm. We, we are very blessed. You know, we, we need to be supported by, um, by, by prayers. So we know that um, a lot of people pray for us, but uh, our sisters are certainly um, among our great, great, great benefactors because they pray the sacred heart of Jesus very very much, very fervently. And um, our sisters, some of our sisters will be coming, will be visiting Ireland at the beginning of March. So this is a great, um, um, uh, something very important for us, great mm-hmm. event. They will be coming, we, have, we currently have three convents, they are in three different locations, according to the, the state of their formation, mm-hmm. either in Italy, next to our seminary, or in Switzerland or Germany. Mm-hmm. So this time, those who will be coming will be coming both from Germany and Switzerland, and um, they will be uh, they, they will be coming here to to pray and um, and sing and uh, um, assist us in the divine liturgy and in um, music and chant. So the the, the highlights will be. Especially on the on first Friday, mm-hmm. on the fourth of March, they will be singing the seven p.m. mass here in Limerick, and then the following day will be the first Saturday, which is uh, dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. They will be singing the twelve noon mass. So, if you want to hear some beautiful mm-hmm. and uh, very prayerful voices, these are two um, beautiful occasions. And the um, the following day will be the sixth of March, the fourth Sunday. Of Lent, of Lent yeah. which is called Letary Sunday, the Sunday of uh, the joyful Sunday mm-hmm. during Lent, they will be singing uh, actually two masses: one here in Limerick at half past ten a.m., and in the afternoon in Galway at the, the Clada Church, the, the Dominican community, at half past two p.m. And are they just staying here just for the just for the short while, just a short visit at the moment? For the moment, they are um, Mm -hmm. mostly coming to visit the church and um, see the community, meet with with the faithful. They will also be giving um, a conference to some people who might be interested in knowing them a little bit more and uh, just speaking about their vocation. Um, So just remind us of those dates and times again, please. So it's the, the 4th of March. At 7 p.m. That's a Friday evening. Friday, this is mm-hmm. first Friday Mass. Mm-hmm. Then the 5th of March, Saturday, at 12 noon. Then Sunday, the 6th of March, 10.30 a.m. here in Limerick. And 2.30 
at declare the church in Galway. And on the 7th of March, it will be the feast of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, who is one of our, our patron saints. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, it's, um, it will be a special occasion as well. They will be singing the 7 p.m. Mass here. This is Monday, the 7th of March at 7 p.m. 4th, 5th, 6th and 7th of March. Yes. A big day here. And all this information will be um, available on our website. Uh, and we will actually speak about your website there in just a second. Uh, but just before, just uh, as we come to the conclusion of the of the interview, uh, Kenny Kagrishaw, just how would you sum up then, so the mission of the Institute of Christ, the King, the King Covenant, Sovereign High Priest? The mission, the general mission, in the most general sense possible, is to bring the reign of Christ the King into every realm of human life, of human existence, all starting from the dignified celebration of the Holy Mass. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the bottom line. That's what it starts with. Candida Beck, just to, just to finish off, if, there's, if anybody wants to know a little bit more about your community again, or maybe have a chat to you guys, contact details, please. Contact details. would say we, we, of course, have a landline, um, which is uh, 061... Three one five eight one two okay. here in Limerick, um, by email limerick at icrsp.org. We also have a Facebook page, so if you just um, uh, Facebook um, Institute Christ the King Limerick, you will find all information. And um, I think this beautiful. Um, maybe just to finish off. The congregation, when it first came to, to, to visit you a few years ago, I think there was about there were a handful of members of the congregation. Yes. What's your congregation size now? When we started at the very beginning, um, as you said, I remember, I think that the very first um, Friday Mass that we offered here, there were three people in the nave mm -hmm. uh, attending Mass, and we were, I don't, I don't remember if it were five or six people serving mass mm. so nowadays it looks like something strange if not crazy <laughs> because usually we, we think that uh, mass we, we, we only offer mass um, if, if there's a congregation if people are present mm. but uh, once again because our, our life is deeply rooted into the liturgy mm -hmm. we offer holy mass for God and then people come <laughs> so the um, um, this was the, the, the very beginning, yeah. and now every Sunday we the, the average uh, attendance will be I would say eighty to one hundred people again um, according to the, the time of the year. Yeah. So if it's really, really cold, it could mm -hmm. be sixty, seventy. But then if we have great um, speci um, special occasions like uh, the, the visit of um, a bishop or a bishop, um, special visit from the Vatican, mm -hmm. we already had a good number of um, um, important visits from the Holy See, then the, the church is repacked. Mm -hmm. I can already tell you, even the last time, last November, we were blessed by the, received the, 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 the visit of uh, His Eminence Raymond Cardinal Burke, mm -hmm. and the church was packed, absolutely packed. And of course, very comfortable church, a very, very warm church at the moment, a very welcoming church. Last question to yourself, uh, Canon Kagoshaw, before I, I go back to Canon uh, Lebec. Um, this mission 
this mission statement kind of that you just mentioned to me just a few minutes ago must be having some sort of resonance with the with, with the with the congregation around Limerick because as I just mentioned uh, there was just a few people attending mass here a number of years ago and now and now there's about a hundred that mission must be coming to its fruition in some way that the, the celebration of people must be seeing something in the way you celebrate mass here well I mean you of course, you'd have to ask them mm-hmm. as individuals, you know, what, the, what drew them here. The thing that I hear most commonly is we love the respect for the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And even, it's something I don't want to say that we take for granted because we see it every day. Yeah. Um, but it's something I would never have seen as a child myself. We have a, the, the sanctuary here is magnificent and there's a big baldacchino under which you put the Blessed Sacrament yeah. and we have yeah. all the candles lit. That vision says more than words can describe for a lot of people, and it's quiet and a beautiful setting just to spend time with the Lord. And I think that's what most people have told me. They they love the reverence for the Holy Eucharist. I mean, now if anybody else has any any other thoughts, you'd have to Mm -hmm. ask them. But that's the one I can tell you that I've heard the most. One last question to yourself. If you met somebody who is a member of your congregation or you, or you meet in Limerick here and they're just hanging on to their face by their fingernails because of all that's going on in the world mm-hmm. today, what would you say to them? How would you encourage them? Oh, of course, it would depend on the situation. Mm. I would say have faith because when we read Holy Scripture, our Lord told us that the church would be buffeted Mm. by trials, by scandals, by everything. Mm. If we read the book of Revelation, we see it word for word. Mm. Our Lord's foreseen it, he says, but have faith. Hold on. The church is supernatural and indestructible, guaranteed by an infinitely perfect God. So Mm. it's difficult, Mm -mm. but hold on. Thank you so much. Kenneth Lebeck, just the last few words from yourself. Um, thank you indeed for, for the opportunity of visiting your church and your community today. Uh, again, w- what would you like to say to people who maybe weren't too sure about this place here, the Sacred Heart Church, and um, maybe are unfamiliar with the traditional sort of setting for Mass and so on and so forth? Um. Something important that we should never forget that um, the priest is an instrument, is, is really God's instrument. Um, we, we don't try to, to create something or to um, attract people, um, to mm. force them to, to come, to, to preach uh, too yeah. loud, to, to, to be too strict. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing is we should always um, give uh, witness to, to people that we serve God. That, uh, as Canon said, the most important thing for us is to... Um, to be holier every day of, of our life. And this is really how we, not, not we, but through, through the priesthood, God will be attracted and to, to holiness, to beauty. And this is done in the, um, in the church. So um, I would say for people, um, even when, when, when they walk in the streets, when they, they are shopping or doing just basic things, hmm. if they see a priest, can they just remember that he is an um, um, instrument of grace, instrument of mercy, in spite of, in spite of um, his um, um, 
um, how should I say that, um, unworthiness mm. or indignity. You know, this man has been called to the priesthood. This man is an instrument of God's mercy. And I think we should never forget that. What beautiful words to finish off the interview. Can I just ask one, one last thing? Can you lead us maybe in a prayer? Oh, sure, we just, will. Please, thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Lord. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Saint Francis de Sales, pray for us. Saint Benedict, pray for us. Saint Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Saint Patrick, pray for us. Saint Aita, pray for us. Saint Bridget, pray for us. All saints of Ireland, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Father and of the Son, and, and of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Canon Lebrack and Canon Cogeshaw, thank you so much for your time. And please, God, the Lord will continue to bless you in the many uh, work and projects that he's got for the rest of your life. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you, God bless you again. Bye-bye now. So again, my thanks um, to the community there at the Institute of Christ the King in Sovereign Priest in the Crescent, uh, there in Limerick. I just remind people again, 4th of March, 7pm, first Friday Mass, followed by devotions uh, to the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus and Benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, this will also be attended and sung by the sisters. Um, 12 noon Mass, uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, on the 5th of March, that's on Saturday next, and 4.30 p.m. Saturday next, there's a meet and greet with the sisters, and that's followed by adoration, and that's on 4.30. So again, my thanks again. Uh, I hope you you found out a little bit more about the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest. And the final piece of music that they've chosen this morning that we play is Sabbat Mata, De La Rosa, and this is taken again from the album Common of the Saints in Gregorian chant. So what's the next week? God bless you all. <laughs> Oh, my God.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.